The vaccine was supposed to be the saving grace for COVID. Once we got it, people could relax and we'd be able to reopen the country. Well, the vaccine arrived over two months ago, but we aren't so relaxed due to the continued contradictory information about it. What's the truth? What's hyperbole? What can you believe? And what should you do? How do you make a decision? Award-winning medical journalist, Dr. Max Gomez is back with me to break it all down for you. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. Don't forget, rate and review us and share, share, share please. So welcome. Thank you for coming on a Wednesday. Normally we're here on Thursdays, um, but actually tomorrow, Thursday afternoon at the same at our usual four o'clock time, I've got a really special um, event that we're doing, a special um, webinar that we're doing. You have to sign up through Zoom. There's a link in the chat box about happiness. One of the biggest challenges right now is the frustration, the increase in depression and suicide and and just general unhappiness. Like the world is just angry and bitter. And um, bottom line, we're doing a webinar tomorrow. We're creating a whole new program about happiness to help people, to help people understand the control that we have over our happiness and over how we're feeling. And it really is up to us, our mind, body, and spirit connection, and give you some tips and guidance on it. So that's tomorrow at four o'clock. Um, so hence, we're here today. Um, I'm Sarah Heiner, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's see what else I always have to tell you about. Um, I've got a library of videos that are going on in the Facebook um, in the Facebook videos. We also have it on YouTube. So come on over to YouTube. If you miss any video, you want to share this with a friend, which sharing is always a great idea, um, especially today, since we're talking about the COVID vaccines. I'm sure there are, you're going to have a lot of family and friends that have these questions every day. Every topic is, did you get vaccinated? Didn't you get vaccinated? You know, how did you feel about it? So we're going to go through that today and try and ease some of the confusion that's going on in the headlines. Um, what else do I have to have? in the chat box? What else, as always, ask your questions in the chat box. Someone will be sending me questions. So put anything in the chat box, questions that you have, and pass them along to me so that we can ask them of Dr. Max. And also in the downloads, don't forget, we have these free great downloads for you to all get more information and share these as well. One about boosting your immune, your best defense against anything, vaccines are important, masks are important, but a strong immune system, having your body working at its optimal, letting it do what it knows how to do because our, our bodies are fascinating, fascinating creatures. Um, so free download of some great bottom line information on that and also about pain. Um, a little sitting around too much. There's a lot of chronic pain. Stress leads to chronic pain. Sitting leads to chronic pain. So take advantage of those. Download them. Again, share them. This is, again, just bottom line's gift to the world. All right. With that, let's talk about vaccines. Let me invite on my dear friend um, and so respected mentor, Dr. Max Gomez. Um, hello. Hey, Sarah. How are you? I am good. Let me tell everyone how great you are. Um, <laughs> if anyone that doesn't know, Max, um, Max is a nine-time Emmy award-winning medical journalist. He's known and loved by New Yorkers for decades. Um, he's currently and has been for years on CBS TV in New York. He has received the Excellence in a Time of Crisis Award from the New York City Department of Health for his coverage following the 9-11 attacks. Um, he was a moderator. This is a real passion project for him on stem cell research. He was a moderator of the Fourth International Vatican Conference, Unite to Cure, how science, technology, and 21st century medicine will impact culture and society. And that was all about stem cell research. And that's, we've, ta we've talked about stem cells before. One day we'll have to talk about them again in terms of, because there's so much that constantly yeah, stuff going on. Changing. Mm -hmm. um, and as I said, like, <clears throat> Max is one of the smartest people I know. He just knows everything. He's really taught me a lot. I value his friendship. And you can learn more about him at drmaxgomez.com. So, vaccines. Hi. Yes. Vaccines. Everybody, First, it's 
we need the vaccines. And then the vaccines come out. And then and now, now we the don't US have enough. Huh? And now we don't have enough. Well, we don't have enough vaccines, but the vaccines aren't going to still help you and you still need a mask. And like, the number of questions and the amount of confusion over this, it's not, I think it's helping, but oh my gosh, the poor people out there and all of us poor people that are trying to figure out, should you get it? Should you get it? And literally at every, I think there's not a person I talk to, a conversation I have where they're not going, did you get it? Should you get it? People are constantly emailing me, Sarah, what do you think? And honestly, it's up to, you know, there's so many individual decision trees for people to take. Um, mm -hmm. So let's literally go run down. We're going to run down a lot of these areas of confusion and try and try and ease their burden. Okay. Okay. And I have to apologize to everybody. I'm looking at myself. I'm very blue. I apologize. I don't, I'm not in my normal place and I have light coming in that makes me blue. So I apologize. It's, that's actually what natural light is. You know how they talk about UV rays? <laughs> You're seeing it on me. Max looks great and healthy. I look blue. All right. Uh, and, and I have to apologize for what looks like a couple of things sticking out of my head or shoulder. That's, uh, I'm, I'm broadcasting from what's become our home gym yes. over here. So that's part of a, an elliptical behind me. So nobody's aiming a gun at me. We're safe. It looks like a giant magnet. <laughs> one of those, you know, when they have the like the bad guys of the world with the magnets aiming to uh, you know, <laughs> collect the, all of whatever's. All right, let's get to vaccines. Okay. Now, shot the shot around the, the the cast a little. All right, side effects. First and foremost, let's talk about side effects. Um, that there's you know fevers and pain and all of that, and then there are reports about severe side effects and some people dying. So what what's normal? and what's not normal. And right, so let's, let's try and tease that out because everything has side effects and everyone, right. none of this is uncommon necessarily. Right, everything has side effects. Every vaccine has side effects. And also uh, vaccines, the, the side effects are an indication that your immune system is responding to the vaccine. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Everybody responds a little bit differently, just like everybody has a different reaction to medications or just about anything else. So the common one, the most common one, obviously, is a soreness in the arm. It hurts where, <laughs> it hurts where you got, where you got the shot. It hurts when I do this. <clears throat> Don't do that. So, the, um, so that's number one. Feeling, I, I actually have gotten my vaccines. Mm -hmm. I've gotten both of the Moderna vaccines. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> almost no reaction after the first one, which is common, mm -hmm. and, a, and a worse reaction after the second one, which is also common. Okay. And find your worst. Uh, say again? What was your worst? Um, I had the sore arm. I, uh, it, it was funny. It was, took more than 24 hours for it to show up. Mm -hmm. 24, almost 30 hours or so to show up. I felt a little, I felt, just felt crummy. I felt off, a little tired. Uh, took a couple of uh, ibuprofen, took a nap, felt better. Yeah. So and, my mom had her second one, had a very similar thing. She woke mm -hmm. up like, first one, no problem. Second one, and my mom is 89 years old. So mm -hmm. second one, she woke up in the middle of the night, had a headache, and she never gets headaches. Mm -hmm. Took took an, an Advil, took a something, and then was fine the next day. And again, right. that's your body like when you get those kind of symptoms of being sick, it's because your immune system is doing what it knows how to do, which is fight 
exactly. Fight, fight the foreigner. Exactly. And then later on that evening, eh, I felt like a little chilled, like I was running maybe a low fever. My uh, my fancy thermometer broke, so I couldn't tell for sure whether I had a, uh, a fever or not. Again, a couple of ibuprofen, went to bed, got a good night's sleep, fine. Good. So no problem. Now, and those you'll see. Uh, and that's standard. People shouldn't be alarmed by any of that. No, no, not at all. Um, the reports of uh, deaths after a vaccine are really hard to make something out of at this point. When you vaccinate millions of people, unfortunately, some people are going to die in that time frame around the time that they got the vaccine. That doesn't mean that the vaccine caused it. What about we if we're dying to something that seems totally unrelated, like they just right. suddenly die? I mean, we always hear stories of people who went to their doctor, they got a clean bill of health, walked out on the street and had a heart attack and died. Yep. You know, it, it happens. Um, it's not great, obviously, but, but that sort of thing happens. Um, so we don't know what to do about that. We haven't really seen other than the only serious allergic reaction really, or reaction that we've seen is a serious allergic reaction. And that, that's why they make you wait 15 minutes or so after you get the shot to make sure that you don't develop an anaphylactic reaction. Is and, there, go ahead. And that really just happens. We've really only seen that in people who have known severe allergies, whether it's happen, due- Is there anything again unique in these vaccines? And for the most part at this moment in time, we're talking just about the Pfizer and the Moderna. Those are the only ones right. that are approved for the US. For now, um, right. Is there any unique ingredients in these vaccines relative to other vaccines that people might be allergic to? Well, it's hard to say that they'd be any more allergic to. It's definitely a different vaccine. Um, they use a little chunk of uh, MR, messenger RNA. It's a nucleic acid. It's, it's the messenger that takes the uh, information from DNA out to the cell, to the machinery and the, and the rest of the cell out of the nucleus where it makes these spike proteins and that's what the immune system is gonna to react to. Um, and they're encapsulated in tiny little nanoparticles of lipid, of fat, right. basically. Yeah. So it's hard, to, it's hard to understand why that would be any more so other than it, you would to any other vaccine or uh, or a bug bite or a bee sting or that sort of thing, or some, in some cases, medications. And the percentages of these, these allergic reactions are, again, not higher than is happening with other vaccines, is my understanding. No, and, and the numbers are tiny. Uh, I mean, in, in 30,000, I think in, uh, well, 15,000 actually, who actually got the, the, the vaccine, um, in Pfizer, I believe, they had three. Is there anyone who would out of the blue have an allergic reaction relative to, I'm trying to think, how would you know? I mean, so that there are a lot of people that have a lot of allergies, they're very sensitive to all sorts of different things. So they might automatically know that they're sensitive to stuff and be very careful and you know, they might have their own EpiPen. Or right. is there anything else? Is there any way that anyone would know that if you're sensitive to, I'm making this up, strawberries, right? I mean, right. total made up, don't, don't say Sarah Heiner's right. strawberry allergies. Um, that somebody might know that they have to be aware or alert? If you have any allergies, 
you might want to be a little more alert. Mm -hmm. If you've ever been told to carry an EpiPen, then you definitely need to be on the alert and definitely let uh, whoever is giving the vaccine know that you've had potentially serious uh, allergic reactions in the past. What most people don't realize is you don't have a serious allergic reaction to your first bug bite. Mm -hmm. The first one sensitizes you and it's the second, third or 20th bite that you have the bad reaction to. So if you haven't had any allergic reactions before, it's highly unlikely that you're gonna have one reaction or an allergic reaction to this. But nevertheless, they'll make you sit for 15 minutes just to make sure you're not short of breath, you're not breaking out in hives, you're not starting to itch or whatever. And there's one other, it's not really an adverse reaction, but it's a reaction that women need to know about when it comes to the vaccine. And this is just starting to cut, well, there's two actually different ones. One I just did a, a story on for, mm -hmm. for CBS in New York, and the other one is just starting to come out now. Uh, the one that would be of more concern is, again, because of vaccine, your immune system is reacting. You get it in the arm. The first stop for the immune system and for these uh, uh, foreign antigens are the lymph nodes in your armpit. Mm -hmm. Women who have a mammogram shortly after having had the vaccine, their nodes may show up as enlarged oh. on the mammogram. Right. And then suddenly, you know, right. there's a lot of uh, concern there. Again, that's a normal reaction. You need, if you've had recently any vaccine, not just the COVID vaccine. Right, so your lymph nodes do it. You should know, you should let the, uh, the mammographer or the radiologist know about that. And uh, the recommendation is, if you've had the vaccine, wait a few weeks before having your mammogram, but that's only if you will actually have it right. in a few weeks, because you know what happens is I'll put it off a few weeks and then next thing you know, it's a year or two later and you haven't had that. So that's now showing up in the literature. Mm -hmm. the, the second thing, which is a uh, uh, not as serious is that people, men and women, who have had facial fillers, cosmetic facial fillers, and then they have a vaccine. And again, it can happen with any vaccine, but it's now because everybody's hypervigilant about the COVID vaccine, it causes swelling in the areas where you've had the filler. Again, your, your immune system is reacting to foreign stuff and it's looking around and says, wait a minute, this is the good news there, it's, it's transient, Right. It's it's treatable actually with some anti-inflammatory, like ibuprofen, mm -hmm. an anti-inflammatory will knock it down. If for some reason it gets really bad, you'll get a little oral steroid or something, but it goes away usually in a few hours or 24 hours or something. So it's not a big deal, but don't panic. Know that it's that's a possibility. Interesting. Um, somebody asked a question about um, a shellfish allergy, that her um, father has a shellfish, shellfish allergy. Would that mm -hmm. be an issue? Any allergy is potentially uh, an issue. Shellfish allergies sometimes can be serious. So again, you just have to be aware of it. Uh, it doesn't disqualify you from getting a vaccine. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't get a vaccine because you, you should, even with an allergy. Right. But you just have to be cautious and aware of it. And again, alert whoever is giving you the vaccine that you have had, that you're allergic to 
uh, you know, shellfish, strawberries, right. fruit, right. whatever. And then, you know, as you said earlier, that everybody has unique biochemistry and everybody's on unique combinations of medications or they have whatever their personal health issues or challenges are. And historically, vaccines are tested with mass amounts of people over very long amounts of periods of time. This was, this was tested with tens of thousands of people and we have not had the benefit, and we're gonna talk a little bit about next about effectiveness and how long this lasts. We don't yet have the benefit of all of that knowledge. So yeah. with every health decision that you make, every medication, every vaccine, every everything, you never know how something will react particularly on your body, especially when it's new, be it a new medication, a new vaccine, a new treatment, a new surgery, a new anything. Mm -hmm. So, and that said, uh, Sarah, what is important also for people to realize, the, the vaccine trials that were run were run on about the same number that phase three clinical trials on vaccines usually are run. But 30,000 people is not the same as 30 million people. Right. And so when you really start rolling it out, we always see unusual reactions that didn't show up at all in 30,000 people, but you're giving it now to millions and millions of people. So again, uh, it's not going to be, it's not surprising if we start hearing about some un, uh, uh, unusual uh, reactions. The other thing that people are often very concerned about is this was developed too fast. We don't know, you know, we don't know enough about it. True. That's the good news actually, because this is a whole brand new platform Yep. for vaccines. The M this, mRNA is. Versus the mRNA the are, right. uh, vaccines are. Um, the other vaccines that are in the pipeline actually use more uh, platforms, viruses and things that have been genetically engineered that have been around for a while. More and, they've been, and they've been used for different things, Ebola, Zika, et cetera, um, that, so that we know more uh, about those but they're still, in, they're still in clinical trials. So it, the fact that it came around quickly is good because we need them. Mm -hmm. uh, and it looks like they are actually extraordinarily safe. Yeah, that's great news. Um, let me just say, I've got some questions coming in and I'm thrilled to keep putting them in. I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna hold them to the end so that we can get a lot of the key information out and then we'll cycle back. Is that okay? okay. All sure. right, cool. Um, you mentioned one more thing while we're talking about side effects and stuff. You mentioned you're um, taking pain relievers after the fact. One thing the CDC warns about is taking pain relievers before the vaccine. Pre, Pre-medicating or pre-loading. Right, exactly. I don't want to get a pain in my arm. Right. Um, it's a lot better than, you know, getting pneumonia and ending up in the hospital. Um, yeah, for, it, it, it's theoretical. It looks like there's some evidence that it might blunt the immune response immediately afterwards. But aside from that, um, you know, if you're really feeling crummy a day or two days later or something, don't overdo it. But uh, as my, uh, a close friend of mine who's an immunologist at Yale uh, said, he made an executive decision when he was feeling crummy a day later and he took his ibuprofen. Yeah, after the fact is fine. Again, it's just people understanding that when your body has a fever, it's actually do it's supposed to have a fever. It's having it for a reason. That's, that's how the body reacts. Exactly. Right, exactly. exactly. So, so it's okay. And you want to 
you want to help your body, give your body all the, the tools it can to be able to do the job that right. it needs to do. Um, yeah. I will say about that pain in the arm, if somebody out there, all my bottom line people can please find, we just published an article about um, how to reduce the pain in your arm. So, um, so Is if we- nice pack? Now, before it's like you rub, you rub it, you squeeze it and you rub oh, it. Well. So, you know, it, it's kind of like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll hurt it here so it doesn't hurt, right? So it's, it, <laughs> uh, it numbs it a little. I don't remember if there's ice pack in it, but we just published that article. So can somebody please put that link into the chat so that everybody can download that? Um, hopefully it's available on the website. If not, I'm going to have people scurrying really fast right now and they're cursing me out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about effectiveness. Um, because these overall, I mean, again, Pfizer and Moderna knocked it out of the park in terms of what the effectiveness is on these um, relative. They were hoping they were going to be what, 50 and 60% and at 90, 95%, they're very right. effective. Exactly, exactly. And, and with apparently very, very few uh, potential side effects. Sorry about the ambulance going by on the street outside. That's um, I got construction workers across the street. Like, <laughs> well, life at home is so fascinating, isn't it? Look how adaptable we have to be. <laughs> so the FDA had originally said that if, if vaccines hit 60%, they would consider that probably acceptable, depending on the side effect profile, uh, for approval. But it, it got into the 90s with Moderna and Pfizer. And again, they are virtually identical vaccines. The only difference is the little lipid uh, shell or nanoparticle that they're in uh, is a little different. But the, the, the code, the mRNA that's inside that little nanoparticle, they're, they're identical. Um, so the fact that they got that, that high is really, really remarkable. Um, and they get that kind of effectiveness with very, very few side effects. So let me um, ask you a question. How is effectiveness measured for this? Because one of the things down the road and we're going to talk about is long-term coverage, right? Because there's like, yeah, even mm -hmm. if you had the vaccine, then you still need to wear masks and the, and the antibodies covering, if you got sick, you still need it. So how are they really measuring effectiveness on this? And is that an adequate measure at this moment in time? There are a couple of endpoints and, and the different, different companies are using slightly uh, different endpoints here to measure this. And uh, backing up a little bit, the fact that there was so much COVID mm -hmm. circulating around the world, particularly in the areas where these clinical trials were being done, is also what helped accelerate the results. If you are giving a vaccine for something that's relatively rare, you have to wait a very long time to see whether fewer people who got the placebo got sick than people who got uh, the, uh, the, the actual vaccine. So the main endpoint for most of these has been for effectiveness is, did they get sick? Did they get COVID? The two groups, how many people got the sick? They didn't intentionally right. expose them to it. They let, just let them back to their life. Right. They, some got, they didn't know it's double blind. Right. Some got a placebo, mm -hmm. some got the actual active right. vaccine. And then you turn them loose. You say, I mean, obviously if, you, if you're gonna wear a mask, wear a mask, whatever it is that, that you normally do. And then they compare how many people got sick in the vaccine group versus the placebo group. Now, secondarily, what, for example, Johnson & Johnson, the, the Janssen vaccine from J&J, &J, 
they've also been looking at effectiveness in terms of reducing serious disease, meaning hospitalization and death. Wouldn't and they all do the same thing if your immune system is heightened sensitivity to it? You would think, but not necessarily. Not necessarily until you can actually prove that. You can't actually say that. Uh, for example, also the J&J &J vaccine uh, uh, says that it is effective at reducing transmission. So just because you've been vaccinated and you don't end up in the hospital or dying, doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be harboring or, or be a reservoir of virus. It may not be making you sick, but it, all of us actually carry a lot of different viruses and, and bacteria, particularly in our nasal passages that we've come to a truce with. You know, we, we have a ceasefire, right. and, but certain things might activate it in a way that could still make us sick or we could transmit it. So that's what these vaccines now are trying to demonstrate that they actually prevent the transmission. So J&J &J is talking about that Pfizer and Moderna, do they have any, are they, is there any reason to believe that they don't similarly have a similar effect? It all depends on how, you know, they structure the trial, what endpoints are looking for. How to lie with statistics. And, and so right. forth, right. And, and I don't mean like, like how to structure a research study. Right. 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 Um, and I want, I want to talk later actually about this, again, this perception of, we're going to talk about, you know, if, even if you've been vaccinated, you know, can you transmit it? And, you know, the, the whole future perception of it, um, because we all have schmutz up our nose all the time, right? Like of all sorts of stuff. Like this is, I, I can't say this now, COVID is, is unique, but it's not. I mean, it's right in terms of there, there's billions of germs that are out there. And this oh, is. Yeah, and we are being bombarded with them constantly and well, our immune system is responding every day to hundreds if not thousands of different challenges right and there's wacky bacteria virus all sorts of stuff that comes out of the blue i had a cousin years ago healthy young guy in his 30s caught something and tragically died soon after you can't like it's it's sad and i don't know why else he might have been vulnerable to it whatever it is but this is this is our planet i mean this is life as we know it um so it's it's interesting what, what COVID has done to people in terms of fears. Um, there have been news about breakthrough cases for vaccinated people. Mm -hmm. Again, how, how unique is that to COVID or how normal is that for vaccines? And are they creating something, you know, creating a headline on something that's totally normal? It's totally normal. No vaccine is 100%, right? 90%, uh, 95% is excellent, but some people will still, again, because everybody's immune system responds differently. And so you may have a good strong response and someone else may not respond as well. And so when they are faced with, uh, whether it's a coronavirus or polio or anything else, um, it might still break through. Right. The they break through or they simply got sick? Well, they, they got sick. Right. Yeah, no, no, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, they got, they got sick. And the other thing is we don't know yet how long the immunity lasts. 
yeah, we're going to talk about that next. Yes. I, know. <laughs> I knew you were going there. I'm um, going there. Yes. That's that's the 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 other issue. Uh, you may not respond. You know, you may not be a strong responder, so you can't necessarily say I'm 95 percent protected. You are probably well protected, but that doesn't mean that you can't get sick. And again, that's the case with virtually any vaccine uh, out there. In fact, if you are going into areas where there is still wild polio mm -hmm. or wild measles, and you are an adult and it's been you know, decades since you got your childhood vaccines, the CDC and many others recommend a booster to make sure that your immune system is still primed to uh, respond to polio or measles or whatever else may, may be out there, depending on where you're going. Right. So let's, as long as we open the door, let's talk about this now. I'll rearrange. Um, it, so they don't, do they, they don't know how long the, the antibodies will last and the protection will last. Again, because of the uniqueness, and again, the mRNA is a new, unique technology. But is it because of that, or is it with, again, any new vaccine? I mean, when they first introduced the Gardasil for HPV, did, they didn't necessarily know how long that coverage would be. Is that, is that a similar thing going on? That's not only the case for virtually all vaccines until we, you know, until it's been out there for years or decades. It's also the case for wild infection, meaning a natural infection. If you get COVID, and recover, you have most of the time antibodies. Although if you have a very mild case, your, your antibody titer, the level of, uh, of antibodies may not be all that high. What we don't know is how long those antibodies will last. They probably are not long lasting. The antibodies themselves. Well, the antibodies from the vaccine or the antibodies from having been sick? The antibodies from having been sick, we don't know for sure from the antibodies from the vaccine. It looks like the vaccine induces a much stronger response, immune response, than a natural infection or wild type infection. So, so, so but though, but what is different if I've had um, Epstein Barr, if I had mono, if I had if I had chickenpox, obviously you used to have chickenpox parties, that produces theoretically a long-term response. What's unique about coronavirus? Or again, is it just that they don't know? Coronaviruses do seem to be different. Mm -hmm. uh, SARS and MERS, two very deadly uh, coronaviruses, right. seem to um, antibodies there, and presumably the immunity there seems to wane with time. So every virus is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. In some cases, a lot different, right. depending on their makeup, their mutations, and, and so forth. So uh, we don't know how long, but by just measuring your antibodies after a person's gotten sick, uh, we have an idea of how long they last. Uh, the antibodies, but what we're measuring tend to be a, a kind of a, uh, a gamish, a mixture of, of different antibodies. And we don't know how many of those will actually be what they call neutralizing. 
Right. So the, the key here is that you want to induce what are called memory cells and cellular immunity. There are two kinds of immunity. There's antibody immunity and cellular immunity. And it's actually- Are that the T cells that, that have the cellular immunity, right? Yeah, they're the killer cells, but they also are helper cells that say they, they've got the memory and they, they're, walk, they're circulating around carrying the wanted poster from the post office that has a coronavirus on it. If, a corona, if they come across a coronavirus, they, they're the canary in the coal mine, in a sense. They start alerting everybody. Paul Revere. Uh, hey, yeah. you guys. Yep. There's, there's a bad guy here. We need to you know, call in the troops. Mm-hmm. And, and they do. And, and that is why this is the next thing that you were about to ask me. <laughs> why, do you need two, why do you need two shots? Well, if one, because they're showing Pfizer's now saying, actually reporting that one is... 90% effective, I think, after one dose of 21 days. Right. And that's based on small numbers mm-hmm. and looking at antibody titers. I'm not ready to uh, forego my second shot mm-hmm. and trust in the first shot. But they're still so, but we're getting a little cyclical. I mean, this is the confusion that's out there, though, Max. So one shot seems to be 90% effective. Okay. Two shots. coverage. Okay. I don't want to forego my second shot, which is more painful, gives me a worse reaction. Okay. But we still don't know how long that's effective anyway. And you might need another one in the future. Well, in which case you go, well, why bother having the second one now? Because it's not just another 5%. Right. That second shot is what consolidates the cellular, the T cell immunity that will be longer lasting than just antibodies alone. So the vaccine is not only, we always talk about the antibodies, but the vaccines actually do help your body produce the antibodies and these T cell alarm systems in your body. But they don't, but again, we don't know how long that's gonna last for the T cell and the antibodies, or does it not matter? If you have the T cells, then do you need the antibodies? Because the T cells are the ones that are recognizing it. Right, and they and they tell the the B cells. I know this gets complicated. They're the ones that make the antibodies. Right. right. So so the T cells, in addition to some of them being killer cells, right. the others are the uh, the alert, the Paul Revere cells that go around screaming. You know, uh, the virus is coming, and you then get the B cells start making the antibodies. So you get both. You need you, you need or you want preferably both effects. So at this moment in time, because we've gone around and around a little, if I get my two shots of Pfizer or my two shots of Moderna, it is boosting my T cells and my antibodies, but we don't know how long it's going to last. Right. It's boosting the antibodies for sure in the short term. Right. That's, that's what uh, Pfizer and others have looked at after one shot. What is it? You know, what do we got? Um, so it boosts those, which will give you some protection right away. These antibodies are neutralizing, presumably. They attach to the little spike proteins on the virus and keep it from actually attaching to the cells in your body. The slightly, what takes a little longer and you need that second boost. The first one, first shot is a primer. The second one is a one that brings it all together and it presumably induces 
this uh, cellular longer lasting immunity. Yeah. Again, we don't we don't know how long it lasts until you know until we see um, how, oh, how long it lasts. <laughs> um, and then again, so the, but for people who have been sick, where they're saying if you've been sick, you should still get that vaccine because That's the recommendation. How long? Then is that is that okay? So I'll ask a dirty question: Is that politics? Is that medical industry politics and business, or is that again for realsies? Do they really know? And should somebody before jumping in, I got sick, before jumping into the vaccine line, should I get my antibodies tested and see if I have adequate levels of antibodies? So here's what the CDC recommends. First of all, they don't recommend antibody testing before getting a vaccine. Why not? Couldn't I? I did that before I gave my kids their second chickenpox vaccine. Because they don't necessarily tell you what you really want it to tell you. It'll tell you you've got antibodies, but that doesn't tell you whether you have, whether these antibodies are truly the neutralizing antibodies and or whether or not, uh, I mean, you have, you know, you got tons of antibodies circulating in, in, in your system all the time. Um, and again, you don't, you don't know whether they're truly the neutralizing ones. So they can't, the tests at this moment in time aren't able to test for the presence of COVID-19 antibodies. Except for the fact that they are testing them because they're testing them with this, with the vaccines. I'm sorry to press on this, but it it's it gets to be a very um, sophisticated and and expensive and hard to do to really check the antibodies that are going to be very specific for that for that spike protein. But in any case, they're going to go away. That's what the so the the CDC recommendation is after. If you have had COVID, mm-hmm. you know you've been diagnosed. You 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 know tested positive on what's called the the PCR test, the nasal swab test. Um, then uh, you can wait up to ninety days or so, is what they're saying, because that's kind of what it looks like in the studies. Your immunity from antibodies is going to go down. Well, they don't want you to get the vaccine too quickly, though, because they don't want to create an extreme response as well. So there's a fine line. Don't you have to also wait a certain amount of time? Till yeah, but it's not a long time. They want you to be uh, free of symptoms right. and uh, preferably your 14 day quarantine so that you really are clear. And then you, you, don't, have to, you don't have to wait the 90 right. days, but you need to be clear of your symptoms because then uh, yeah, you could you could induce a, a much stronger and, and unpleasant uh, reaction. So you don't have to wait 90 days. But if you can't get one for 90 days, I said you know you're okay. You most most likely have enough immunity to protect yourself until you can get the shots that will really give you what we hope and uh, is believed a longer lasting immunity. And they are saying actually that those who have been sick when they get the vaccine, they get a more powerful response in terms of developing the antibodies. Right, not surprising. All right, so here's, the, here's my next dirty question because you love when I ask these. Mm-hmm. If, if you've been sick and they don't know how long your protection is going to last, right. then why are we talking about herd immunity? Because herd immunity by definition is you've been exposed to all of this. You have some levels of antibodies in your body. You have levels of T cells that say, aha, I recognize that. 
That's the whole point of herd immunity. But what we're saying now, if the antibodies don't last, that totally flies in the face of the concept of herd immunity. Go. No, because if you've got, you mean if you've gotten the vaccine or if you've gotten. Well, we're talking, you know, Macri, Dr. Macri had a, a, a big op-ed in the Wall Street Journal talking about um, very closely approaching herd immunity across the country, that there are a lot of people who have probably been exposed that don't realize it, at least at a, at a low level. And again, that's how we develop immunity to things, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you, why you want your kids out, and I'll joke, eating some dirt, right? Little kids need to be out collecting germs. That's what exercises our immune systems. Right. And there have been frightening studies about kids that are raised in a bubble who have had horrible illness, like really bad illness with all that protectiveness. Like we need to be out there. So that's how we develop that immunity, right? So Macri saying we probably have, you know, we're getting very close to have that herd immunity, whether you agree with him or not, but that's through all that exposure. So then we've got some people sick, some people have been sick and they didn't realize they were sick. Some people who just get schmutz in their nose and their T cells go, oh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna put that in my memory banks. Um, but what you're saying is if none of that lasts, then we'll, we'll never have herd immunity because we're gonna be constantly chasing our tail, which is really scary, Max. Herd immunity, well, the number for herd immunity, 60, 70% is kind of the number that's been thrown around out there. It's kind of an educated guess, first of all. We don't really know what number we need to get to for herd immunity for the coronavirus. Um, and it's different for every virus. Right. For measles, you need way into the 90 percentile to really get herd immunity because it is so, so infectious. With all of the people who got, may have been infected, didn't realize it or had a mild case, true, we don't know how long that will last and whether their antibodies will last for very long or whether they've, from their, from their wild infection, if you will, uh, have developed enough long-lasting immunity, T-cell immunity, for it to truly contribute to a herd, to the herd immunity. Right. So that's why the whole concept of herd immunity, letting the virus run wild on its own and not worry about it, um, we just don't know how effective that would be, number one. And number two, a certain percentage of people are going to get very sick and die and if, if we're talking about 60, 70% of 330 million people need to be uh, infected mm -hmm. and X percent of that will, even with, even with improved uh, hospital care and the death rate has gone down significantly from, it, from what it was a year ago, yeah. um, you're still looking at probably a couple of million people dead. Mm -hmm. So the, the concept of just letting it run wild, we don't know. And it does look like we have, uh, that the vaccine induces a stronger and longer lasting immunity. Okay, I'll get off of this. But you can see my confusion. I, def I desperately, yeah. right? I mean, it, it really, there is this interesting contradiction because we've been talking about herd immunity, but then when you talk about the, but the, but the antibodies don't last, well, then we're no, going to, you know, it's just going to be this constant change. No, but the, no, but the T cell immunity will, will, at least hopefully, we believe, will last. And that contributes to herd immunity. Okay. So, and if, again, if you've had the vaccine when you, or if you've had some level of herd immunity, if you've had some bodies, should I get it again 
do I have a diminished response to it? Like a, a lighter case? If I've, you know, if you've had some exposure before? Almost, almost certainly. Right. So it's not, so even that you might get it again, but it, it's not as scary as it is now. And again, right. reminding everybody, doctors are knowing far better how to treat this as well. Mm -hmm. So it's been a combination of the vaccines, but also doctors are learning so much about right. how to treat this. Right. So All right. The period is down for sure. Um, I'm talking so long. I'm going to keep going. Um, and yeah. hopefully we'll, you can hang with me. We might go a little bit long, everybody, but I know this is such an important topic. Um, is there anyone in particular who should not get the vaccine um, beyond those who are currently sick or have been recently exposed to COVID? Um, you know, because they, they don't want you if you're currently sick to be able to get it. Um, I know Pfizer is currently testing pregnant women. Historically, they tell people pregnant women not to get new things. And yet I know they've been having pregnant women get this. There were a small handful of um, pregnant women who got pregnant and who had gotten the vaccine in the Pfizer trial. Mm -hmm. uh, they did fine. Um, a new study just came out that said there was no increase in uh, miscarriages. Mm -hmm in women who had gotten vaccinated. Um, there is no evidence that it in, uh, you know, goes against, or that it impacts fertility. There was a, a there, there still is out there a sort of an internet meme going around that, that it affects fertility. It was a theoretical thing because it, there are a couple, there was a, uh, there's a, a, a protein and antigen in the placenta that is similar to you know the uh, uh, the protein that the uh, vaccine goes against, and so there was a theory that it would cause uh, miscarriages or infertility. There, there's no evidence of that. Um, you know that that is one of those tough questions. It's a it's a risk benefit because you you're taking a risk in that you're getting the vaccine that hasn't really been fully vetted in pregnant women, and um, they don't yet know if there will be any impact on the fetus, on the baby? Unlikely, again, uh, it, it, that, that part is, un, is unlikely, but we don't know. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the flip side of that is, if a, a woman who is pregnant gets COVID, mm -hmm. that could be very serious uh, as well. There are a number of viral infections that, uh, particularly if a woman gets it in the first trimester, can lead to some serious birth defects. Right. So, you know, that's a that's a tough one to call until we have until we have more data. If if the the woman has some underlying health conditions that puts her at higher risk for bad outcomes from a COVID infection, mm -hmm. and that kind of tilts the the scales towards getting the vaccine. So someone diabetic or obese or things like that that are the higher mm -hmm. risk groups. Exactly. Got yeah. it. Um, Anyone else? There was a question that somebody asked about um, autoimmune. Anything with people that have autoimmune, can they get the vaccine? I think the CDC says yes. Yes. Um, there, there doesn't seem to be any reason for people with autoimmune uh, not to get it. Um, likewise, uh, people who are immunocompromised mm -hmm. can get it. Like a cancer patient. The Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. Now, the vaccines that use viruses as a vector, we might want to be a little more careful. Although the J and J vaccine uses a 
uh, impaired virus right? Right. Um, that can't uh, supposedly can't multiply. Uh, but when you put in these what are called attenuated viruses into somebody who is immunocompromised, that could be an issue. But in general, they also say uh, the CDC says people with HIV can get and should get the vaccine. Uh, the only problem there, and it's not a, it, the problem is not that it, that the vaccine will cause a problem, is that your immune system may not respond as well or as strongly to the vaccine uh, as a person with a, you know, normal or stronger immune system. So, so based on what you're saying, I was, I've got emails, I've got a long list of questions, Max, coming in, they're loving what you have to say. Um, that... Right now, the only vaccines available are these mRNAs. But once these other vaccines with the other technologies come in, then people that are immunocompromised, they should check with their doctor on which one might be best for them. Is that? Uh, yes, uh, but that's assuming that you'll have a choice. At this oh. point, until, until we have enough vaccine, it's unlikely that you'll be able to you know, pick and choose your vaccine. Well, not to get it. I mean, that if I, if, right, so that, I mean, right now people are just desperate to get whatever they can, but they're essentially the same. Subtle differences, but overall, the two mRNAs are very similar. But one, and we're going to talk about these other ones on the horizon, the J&J, the Novavax, when they come in with different technologies, different types of vaccine bases, then one might be better suited to another, depending on what your issues are. So they, what's their choice? check with your doctor. Um, can you mix and match the vaccines? I've had people that have, you know, they, they can get the first appointment, they have a hard time getting the second appointment, they've thought about whether or not they should just get whatever they can. The short answer is no, but give me one second, because this is, CBS was just calling me uh-huh. about some story that I'm doing for today here, and he hung up, and let's see if he'll come up. The bosses. <laughs> the bosses. CBS has some news, some nerve, butting into my program. Yeah. Can't believe well, actually, the story I'm today. Sorry, I, I butt out, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, no problem. <laughs> the butt dial. I love work from home. <laughs> or pocket dial is I guess the more politically correct thing to call it. I call it butt dial. It's easy. So what else, what else you got? All right, so we were talking about mix and matching. Hmm. While in theory they're the same, the recommendation from the CDC is no, Mm -hmm. don't mix and match. Um, But if you get your first one, you should be in the queue and have an appointment for your second one from the same manufacturer. All right, and again, they haven't tested the mix and match, so nobody knows. Yeah, that's exactly, there's so many of these things that we just don't know because again, it is new and we just haven't, we haven't tested all of the different combinations and permutations that that might be out there. Exactly. Um, Does it matter where you get it? You know, somehow I'd rather get it in the doctor's office than drive through at the Lord and Taylor parking lot. (laughs) Um, Unlikely that it makes a difference. It's such a simple and straightforward. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's the same as a flu shot or anything else, uh, any other vaccine. It's a little quick jab in the uh, muscle in the arm. And, and done. So, uh, I mean, I would hope that the people administering, you need a little bit of training, 
So you're not bouncing it off your arm bone or the needle off, off that or hitting anything vital. You know, there's a certain area that you want to you want to put it in. But aside from that, it really uh, it, it does not make a difference. Okay. And somehow, especially since you have to sit here for 15 minutes, I don't just want to thought I'd double check that. Um, are that we touched on this a little bit before? Are those who have been vaccinated, are they still contagious? You know, the big news now is that you've been vaccinated, but you still have to wear a mask or two or three. And I had someone say to me the other day that he was still quarantining. He and his wife had gotten their vaccine, but they were still told to quarantine from their family for a couple of weeks. Um, Again, it only takes a while for the immune reaction to kick in fully. Yes, and, and that's both, that's a, a two-way street in terms of, of protection. We're just now getting some data, some evidence, mm -hmm. for example, from the, from the um, I'm pointing over here, like you know what I'm pointing at, I have the, some of the J&J &J data here on, on my desk, um, that it looks like it helps prevent transmission. So infectiousness right. to, to other, other people. people. Right. So there shouldn't be an issue. If, if I've gotten my vaccine, I shouldn't have to stay away from my grandchild. I don't have a grandchild yet, but nonetheless, my future grandchild. <laughs> um, theoretically, no. But again, it's we're talking about 90%, 95% uh, immunity. So that's not the same as I'm absolutely sure I can't infect my new grandchild. But again, that's, again, everything. And the whole point on the masks goes back to the schmutz in your nose. And what if I have something in my nose and I sneeze it out? And what if I, you know, I can sneeze out any of a billion things that happen to be in my nose? Um, so. You, you must have a nasty nose in there, but I okay. have a great nose. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't get the cold or the flu. I just don't, oddly. Not so, outside, but. So the wearing the mask also will protect you until you develop uh, full immunity from people in your family who may have been exposed and don't know it. Right. Okay. Um, how about the new strains? There's a lot of discussion about whether these things are working on the new strains and will the new strains, um, and as they keep mutating, are right. we again chasing our tails on this? Well, first of all, all viruses mutate. That's what they do. Right. There's nothing unusual about the coronavirus when it comes to mutations or new strains or variants, you know, they're kind of all synonymous terms. Um, number one, it looks like Moderna and Pfizer are both pretty effective, maybe not a full 95% effective, but highly effective against the UK, the British variant, which is now in this country and in, in, you know, all over the place. It looks like that's pretty good against that. Uh, they are pretty good against that. And it also looks like they have reasonable effectiveness against the South Africa uh, strain or variant. Um, and in fact, the J&J &J data that was just posted today says that the vaccine uh, had an 80 cent, uh, 80, 86% efficacy against severe forms of COVID in the US and 82% against severe disease in South Africa. Mm -hmm. So it's not quite as high or quite as good. And it doesn't mean that you won't get sick. It means that you won't get sick and die. Right. Or have really severe 
needing to be hospitalized or vent, you know, put on a ventilator uh, type of uh, type of COVID disease. Right, which so, again is actually the key thing. I mean, again, we all get colds, we all get flus, except me, I don't get them. <laughs> I just said, um, but we don't want to get them so seriously because you talk to the vast majority of people who have had COVID who say it was, I felt a little sick. I felt a little fluish. I, you know, I was sniffled for a few days. So that it's reducing the serosity of it is Correct. huge. Correct. And, but to the second part of your question, which is, will we need boosters? Will we need different shots? The jury's out on that. Mm -hmm. It's possible if the virus keeps changing enough so that it isn't protective or if, so that the vaccine isn't protective against right. something that has now mutated or drifted far enough away from the original. Now, the good news there is that these new platforms, particularly the mRNA vaccines, are very easily and quickly repurposed for new variants. Right. So it won't take a year or six months or whatever, it'll take a few, six weeks maybe. You can adapt it quickly. And that's actually being done already. Right. Pfizer and Moderna are already doing that. Um, I would be surprised if J&J &J and Novavax and the others aren't figuring out how to, how to do that as well. And um, when they adapt it, um, are they shifting it to the new or it still now covers the old and the new. So we cover China and it you know, becomes a global vaccine. We cover China virus, we cover UK virus, we cover, you know, that it, is it able to do all those or are they just shifting it to the new guy? You love my questions. Don't know. <laughs> okay, I, don't no, know I, it's there. I admit that that's, that's a good question. And I, I, I don't know, the new vaccine, don't know. Um, it, it depends on how different, it will depend on how different the new one is from the old one as to whether there's enough cross reactivity. And by the way, speaking of cross reactivity, there was a, a, a paper that has been, it's in preprint, so it hasn't been fully published and vetted yet uh, from Mayo Clinic uh, saying that people who have had other vaccines, non COVID vaccines, polio, they call it geriatric flu, which is a high dose flu vaccine. Uh, Pneumovax, which is for pneumonia. Mm -hmm. uh, the Hib vaccine, there were, there were a half dozen of them. I don't remember all of them. Had a reduced incidence of COVID. Interesting. Well, everybody's had vaccines or are there are only certain ones. Yeah, we should have. Um, <laughs> but, but everybody had, had all. But it's another reason to make sure that you're fully vaccinated because it does look like there's enough crossover that you're, you're training your immune system sort of non-specifically to respond to, to foreigners. And it looks like it reduces uh, your risk of getting COVID. Interesting. Um, do, are you okay? These, we've been an hour, usually these are an hour. Are you okay if we keep going a little bit? A little bit. I have, believe it or not, yet another uh, webinar that I'm, that I'm moderating a little bit later. You're very popular. All right, I'm gonna go real quick through this. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. So we've got the new vaccines on the horizon, J&J, &J, the AstraZeneca, the Novavax. Um, anything in particular, their timing of them, anything in particular to talk about at this moment in time or let's... Well, the next one, the next one in, in line looks like it's J&J. &J. Mm -hmm. uh, that will be evaluated by the FDA Vaccine Advisory Committee on Friday. Uh, it looks like, uh, it looks positive. It looks like they will probably vote 
to recommend its emergency use authorization, which means that uh, the FDA commissioner will likely approve it as early as Saturday. Um, the, the benefit to that one, to, to J&J, is that it's one shot, right. not two, although they are looking at two shots. They've already started a clinical trial using the same vaccine with two doses. Well, and again, given that their one shot is what is what 66% or so, so it's significantly lower coverage. Right. And however, because it uses uh, the virus as the delivery vehicle for the uh, genetics of the coronavirus, uh, it sticks it in, they stick it into a, a human cold virus uh, called an adenovirus, but it's been deactivated essentially, so it can't reproduce. Uh, the virus itself, not the corona piece of it, but this adenovirus, this cold virus, also induces a stronger immune response mm -hmm. so that um, it, in, it in, in and of itself may actually produce a stronger immune response than just sticking the mRNA in there. Again, and by stronger response, is that being then longer lasting? Don't know. Is that Again. what stronger means? In the context of 95% effective versus 66% effective, I'm not a scientist, but one's bigger than the other. <laughs> No uh -huh. dummies here. Huh? Um, true. Um, but that's the, we don't know whether that means longer lasting, whether that means more T cell immunity versus antibody immunity. All of these things will be investigated up the wazoo uh, for years uh, as we learn more and more about it. But we've learned uh, just a remarkable amount in one year uh, on this, or just a little over a year. Uh, yeah. This has never happened before that, that we've been able to move this uh, this quickly. But again, the another important thing to remember is that each one of these vaccines, even though, say, for example, Moderna and Pfizer were essentially the same, but any others coming down the line are different. Right. You have to be evaluated differently, have to be evaluated for side effects differently, it's longevity, whether or not it affects uh, infectiousness, uh, ability to stop uh, very severe disease. Every one of those is looking. going to be and is different. Right. And so you cannot say what was true for one will be true for the other. Yep. And, and we're still learning. And again, it is phenomenal what they've done. A year ago, we had zero knowledge right. and it was panic. So really like kudos to everybody involved and you know politics aside everybody along the way all right let me do a couple of these quick questions for you um someone asked about back to the facial fillers um mm -hmm. is it only recent facial fillers or if somebody had them long ago over five years ago is that is in it? some cases it, uh, recent for sure as long I, i've heard of them now as long going back as long as six months five years we don't know it depends, and we don't know which fillers are more likely to, to, uh, to induce this kind of reaction because there's about four different major categories of, of fillers. And, and in some, you know, and some of them don't last five years. That's why you, right. that's why you keep them back every six months or yeah. once a year to, yeah. to, to, you know, to, to get more. Right. Uh, they don't last. And so, uh, if it's that long ago and it's one one of those that tends to go away, then it's probably unlikely that you'll you'll get that. that okay. 
Um, let's see, Margie had asked about autoimmune conditions. I think we talked about that. Mm -hmm. um, she also asked about fertility. We talked about that. Look how good we were. Um, we talked about, Kyle asked about rapid. I want everybody to know that I'm seeing their, their messages. Kyle asked about rapidly mutating viruses. We just talked about the mutating viruses. Um, we talked about herd immunity. Look, we did all these questions. Cancer patients, I think we talked about cancer patients can get. Yes. Right. Um, if, if, uh, if not, they, they probably shouldn't if they are currently getting chemotherapy uh, and perhaps radiation, but chemotherapy, they probably shouldn't write at that, uh, at that time. But other, time it, if, right. if they're in remission or, you know, or they've had it in the past, uh, they, they're okay to get it. Right, okay. And then uh, Kyle asked again about the reactions and deaths. Were there any, any of those connected to any lines of the vaccines? But we talked about that, that thus far, there's nothing in particular that's connected right. to. Um, but it's being investigated for sure. Right. Um, all right, one last question for you. What should our overall expectations be regarding COVID? And I, of course I have my answer in my mind in turn, because we started out at bend the curve, suddenly it's, no one should ever get sick. And there was something again in the Wall Street Journal today about um, in spite of all the mass vaccination in England and the viruses coming down and everything, you know, all the good news that's going on, there's still warning, but we may need to shut down again in the future. So to me, a lot of this is managing the head game. If there's one thing that people have been, it's, it's as much the COVID as the emotional and psychological and yeah. I just desperately want people to not be afraid of getting out of their house one day right. and that we shouldn't live with this, you know, sort of Damocles over our head that we're going to get shut down again. So what do you see, Max, in terms of what should people's expectations be about COVID? The second thing that you said is the, the expectation that, uh, you know, it will go away and no one will ever get sick again is unrealistic. That doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, again, because no vaccine is 100% uh, effective. Not everyone's going to decide to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it will probably be with us maybe forever uh, or until we develop uh, enough of our own sort of inbred uh, immunity to this to where we don't get that sick from it. Um, so the vaccine is important to prevent deaths, prevent serious hospitalization, ventilation, that sort of thing. Um, but there will still be some COVID out there. It may, we, what we don't know is whether or not we may need a booster in a year, in five years, 10 years, uh, whether it will mutate and change enough so that it will require like a flu shot Possibly, possibly not, but uh, again, until we get more knowledge about it and until we have a much greater proportion of the population vaccinated, that's why Fauci and others are still saying, keep wearing a mask. Right. Well, and again, that's his job because the scientist looks in that very specific yeah. way where he's accountable for, will people get sick? And he knows that right. that can always happen. Um, we can always make a little pitch. I told everybody earlier, our immune download, there's still things people can and should be doing on their own to take responsibility. If you're, I mean, obviously if you're older, you can't change your age, 
but you know, diabetes get your sugar in control that will reduce the high, high risk groups if you have a weight issue to get that weight down. Um, there are things we've talked about, vitamin D levels, zinc levels, you know, those deficiencies, D in particular, that makes you very vulnerable. I mean, that everybody should be doing, thinking about those things too. What can you do for yourself beyond get the vaccine? I think, right? Yeah. And you know what, let me just add a little something because it's sort of, this is kind of a scientist in me, but it's an interesting point that people should think of when, when they're thinking about how viruses are mutating and people think of these you know, oh my God, it's going to mutate into, you know, something that will wipe out the population. Um, again, viruses normally mutate. That's what they do. They very often mutate in a direction towards being more benign right. than being worse. Most of the mutations are dead ends, mm -hmm. meaning the vir it's not good enough for the virus and the virus just dies with that mutation. Viruses, if you think of it from an evolutionary, uh, an evolution point of view, viruses are trying to find the, the Goldilocks spot where they're readily transmissible because that's what they, their job is to spread, right. not so deadly that you kill the host all the time. Because then they can't spread, then, it, then their then, species dies. Then, then they can't spread. That's why things like Ebola, for example, did not become a worldwide epidemic because it was so deadly that it burned itself out quickly. Right. Um, in the areas where it, where it showed up, obviously, it was devastating, but it didn't become uh, a COVID-19 mm -hmm. type of virus because it was so deadly that as, as a there's still a reservoir of it somewhere out there in the wild, so it'll periodically pop up again, um, but it's not, it doesn't become that. So the, the fact that it mutates doesn't mean uh, necessarily that it's, you know, it doesn't mean that it's going to wipe out the population, um, but it does mean that we need to stay on top of it, which is the other reason why the U.S. needs to ramp up its genetic sequencing of the virus so that as these new variants pop up, we know about them beforehand. We're not playing catch up. Right. We're staying, we're trying to stay at least ahead of the virus. Right, great. Max, thank you so much. I mean, great information. Thank you for letting me take so much time, so much of your time. I know you're busy and in demand. No, it's my pleasure. This is so important. I'm glad, I, you know, I want people to hear uh, things that can concern, but not panic. You know, I think that's so important, yes. We're going to be okay. <laughs> Thank you, Uncle Max. <laughs> um, and everybody, okay, so don't forget tomorrow, come back tomorrow, same bad time, same bad channel, four o'clock, so we can talk about happiness and this really very exciting pro project, the bottom line is, is launching. Um, and if you have friends that want to know this, you can, this, this will still be on our Facebook page. So share this. This is really vital information. So many people so confused about it. So it's on our Facebook page. In another few days, we'll put it onto YouTube by the time we have to clean it up a little, um, but it'll go onto YouTube as well. So Max, thank you. Everybody stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you. We're living in an unprecedented time when trust in our media and news sources are at an all time low. It seems that everyone has an agenda, if not a political one, then a business one, as media companies are beholden to advertisers or shareholders. Well, not at bottom line. We're a family owned business and have been free from the influence of advertising since our start nearly 50 years ago. 
focused solely on helping people live happier, more fulfilled lives. Our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, provides advice that can be put into action each day, helping people do better and feel better. Thousands of top, highly respected, truth-seeking experts have appeared in Bottom Line Personal on topics in all areas of life, including healthcare, financial planning, home improvement tips, great gift ideas, how to save money on travel, insurance snafus, smart tax strategies, improving your relationships, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.